Hi, and welcome to another episode of Walleye Chronicles, where we sit down with each and every one of you and have a conversation about how you grew up fishing and how it's changed your life and how it's affected your life. This week, I have a young entrepreneur on today, uh, Colin Martin's with us. How you doing, Colin? Good, man. How are you doing? Not too bad. So let's get into it right away. When would you, what's your first fish you remember that you remember? Uh, it's quite a while ago, actually. <laughs> you know, I, uh, got a birthday coming up and turning 31 so it's been quite a while but i think the first real good memories is on lake emily uh it's kind of central wisconsin fishing yep. so with my grandfather catching bass and actually remember catching my first walleye with him so were you there fishing for the bass and he was fishing for the bluegill because i do know that lake we was were that out- kind of like his bluegill lake but you were doing the, the bass fishing yeah so we have a cottage out there okay. um so we were out actually just running some slip bobbers with some leeches and crawlers kind of whatever bit and yep yeah, I ended up running into an 18-inch walleye. So nice. I grew yeah. up. I grew up in that area, so we were kind of banging the area around my dad. Big bluegill guy, so he would be bluegill fishing. I'd be trying to throw stuff in the front, try to get <laughs> fish to go. So, um, growing up, you did. So you were obviously that lake was a part of your how you grew up fishing. Yeah, it's really where I cut my teeth fishing. Um, you know, learning obviously not just understanding the body water, but just going out there repetitively and fishing. Um, so yeah, Lake Emily is kind of my home lake of where I started and, uh, definitely expanded on it over the last 20 years or so. Um, so, but yeah, fishing out there is kind of where I really started getting a love for going out and going fishing, understanding the body water, figuring out how to catch fish. Do you remember the first time you went by yourself? I do. Uh, it was in a, my grandfather wasn't too keen on me allowing or me going out in the boat until I had boater safety. So I was like 12 and it was a thunderstorm. Just got my boater safety the day before out there bass fishing on a 16. You were going out no matter what. Yeah. 16 foot (laughs) pontoon boat with no trolling motor, just drifting and casting as far as I could and going through some weed patches. So did you catch fish? Uh, no, 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 no. What was so? What was the first time you went out by yourself? You caught fish. Did you think you were going to be the next Bill Dance after that? I'd probably say the next day. Actually, yeah, the next morning I went back out and uh, I love throwing a frog. Okay. So back then I was throwing a frog on a spinning rod because I wasn't throwing bait casters. So that was quite an adventure going <laughs> through the weeds. But um, yeah, out there they, I mean, any fish around Central Wisconsin, I feel like largemouth love frogs yep. middle of summertime. So. Yeah, like you and know, frogs are a blast to throw. Oh, you, you, you get, figure it out. And you, I mean, you can have so much fun throwing frogs. Yeah, I mean, to get a watch a blow up on a frog and you know lynch one of them is pretty sweet. So I think the hardest part is learning to throw the bait caster. Honestly, yeah, yeah. I've, uh, ironically, like I was never much of a bait caster guy, and finally I had one. And after about mm, six or seven bird nests, I finally figured out how to <laughs> dial in the brakes and everything else. So yeah, it was uh, that's a learning curve in itself for right. sure yeah I, I made sure i put a, a one of my son's hands pretty quick because i honestly probably didn't have a bait caster till maybe five years ago sure i mean as a walleye guy we don't you know unless you're trolling with it you don't really it doesn't that doesn't really come across your world of yeah a bait caster well and guy you know obviously everybody has their different approach and what they feel comfortable with too so i mean there's a lot of versatility with a bait caster that you can use you know pulling bottom bouncers yep. and stuff like that because you can just change your depth so fast yep. where spinning rods can do the same thing but it's a lot easier when you just can click yeah, a button, click button drop it down and click it again so that's right although i see a lot more of the bass guys with spinner rods in their and their boats now yeah i think uh you know with pressure on bodies of water too i think that fish you know especially like bigger bodies of water that get hit continuously um those fish aren't dumb 
yeah. by any means. Right. So you got to kind of get more of a finesse approach to them right. than just dragging, you know, a swim bait or just a chatterbait through some grass. Like sometimes you just got to accurately target them. So when did you first figure out like on Emily and you started catching fish? When did you like, was there a time where you're like, okay, I, I can, I can catch fish out here all the time. I can, I can do this. Yeah. Well, they used to have, uh, like Kmart back when Kmart was yep. around, they used to have these like seven inch purple twisted worms with three hooks in them. Yep. And, uh, that was my number one go-to bait. <laughs> so, but I think, you know, I don't know necessarily believe that just going out on Lake Emily was one of those things because, you know, I grew up here in the Fox cities in Appleton. Um, and where my dad has lived for quite a while, um, is kind of right on the Fox river down in the flats. Okay. Um, so most of the time in the summertime, like when we were kids, we would take the bikes and a couple tackle boxes and just go pound the banks, you know, up and down basically from Peabody Park towards, you know, Kakon or Little Shoot there all the way up to. So what were you fishing for? Anything that bit or just bass? Smallmouth usually. Small yeah. I mean, there's a predominant amount of smallmouth in Fox River and some really good ones. Obviously, you know, everybody fishes Butamore early yep. in the year. Um, but as you work down through, you know, the sections of river, there's, especially when it's low water, it's easy to target them because they can't go as far as they usually can when there's high That's water. True. So what was it like with, the, with your buddies? Was it an all day affair? Is yeah, it? I think, um, so kind of talking about history growing up and everything like that, obviously, um, my dad, um, had a bad accident back in 2001, he became a quadriplegic. And so I'd spend some time down there with him and everything. Obviously we couldn't go fishing, but there's a lot of times where we'd hang out and he would be able to go up and down the trail okay. and we could go together because we were on the bank, you know, they have a nice yep. walking trail and stuff like that. So we could kind of go do that. Um, but that was kind of one of those things that, you know, and, and I'm a huge proponent for it now too. It's like, whatever you got going on in life, you can always grab a rod and there's always a place to go fishing. You don't have to have a boat. That's correct. Yeah. Right. As long as you got the will and drive to go find some fish, like mm -hmm. there's plenty of fish, no matter where you live. I don't care if it's a farm pond a retention pond at an apartment complex, <laughs> golf course, yep. if you golf, yep. um, or anywhere, you know, just walking up and down the river or anything like that. Like that's a good outlet for a lot of people. Yep. I think that, I think that's a lot of us that really fish. I think that the drive to do it is set from when we're younger, when we're, you know, 12 to 16 finding a place to go. Cause none of us have boats, you know, that's kind of your, kind of your time to do it on your own. I mean, as, as a kid, when I was growing up, it was getting down to the river and getting there and spend as much time with your buddies or wherever you had to spend time with, but you didn't have, you don't really have the opportunities to get on boats. At least I didn't, you know, growing up. Yeah. And I, I mean, I had quite a few opportunities. I mean, I have some family that lives, you know, on the Wolf river. Um, so I mean, I'm not a huge, like now there's so many ways that you can get on the yep. water too, like kayaks and all that mm -hmm. stuff. That wasn't really a thing back mm -hmm. when I was kind of growing up. So, I mean, I would also be the guy that stand at the boat ramp though too and be like, Hey, you going fishing? Like <laughs> I got 10 bucks in my pocket for some gas. So yeah, I think it's just about the drive though. Really mm -hmm. like how, if you can figure out if there's a will, there's a way you can yep. get out there. So, and you don't have to have, you know, hundreds of dollars in tackle, nope. hundreds of dollars in rods. I mean, you can do it pretty cheap. So, yeah. um, so what bait shops? I don't. I'm pretty sure the real shop wasn't open then. But what bait shops do you remember as a kid that you uh, had to go to or wanted to go to? Um, well, Kmart was a good one. Yep. They used to have one in Wapaka, so we would stop in there on the way up to the cottage <laughs> all the time. And usually they had a bargain bin full of yep. stuff, um, so you could get a lot of baits for pretty cheap and just rotate and you lose them. Like, uh, it's not the end of the right. world. 
Um, as far as bait shops go, the one I only really remember was um, Cash's in New London that we'd always stop at okay. way back in the day, which is still open actually yep. today. Um, but I guess I really don't recall bait up. shops. Yeah, I mean, I remember when the real shot did open, when they were opened up in Oshkosh. Yep. Um, you know, I went down there. I think I had my driver's license or just had my driver's license, you know, <laughs> way, well, I think it was 2011 they opened, 2012, so, something so like in that. that area, yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, I had uh, my driver's license from 2009 or something. So, yeah. I mean, I try to, obviously, I love the real shot. Yep. Um, the real shot's done a lot of great things for me as well. So, I mean, anything that I can do to support them. <laughs> right. And it's it's been an adventure for sure. I mean, even when I was living in California, um, I would still buy stuff from them I'm here. Like, so, yeah. yeah. It's just funny. You, just, you get like some shops as a kid where you remember the, you know, the old school shops, but you're getting, you're a little younger than I am. So you don't have those old kind of corner bait shops that I grew up with. Yeah. Um, so growing up fishing, when, so when do you think looking back now that you just, thought that this was going to be something you want to do all the time. That was going to be a passion of yours. Was there a moment in time where you're like, oh man, I just, this is, I'm going to do this forever. Well, I think obviously, you know, a lot of people can relate to it. You know, Saturday mornings turning on Bassmasters <laughs> and watching those guys fish at that level yep. um, was kind of one of those things like, holy crap, I don't know how to do that, but I'd love to do that someday. Um, and then back a long time ago, the PWT was, you know, traveling around here. Um, and was fortunate enough to go over to Winniconne and watch one of the events. And I saw all the boats and saw everybody that was there. And I was like, man, I'd like to do that someday. <laughs> so, but when I started really tournament fishing, uh, one of my best friends, he and I fished the Fort Fremont Walleye Classic. That was the first real event that I ever fished. And we ended up taking, I think, sixth place or something like mm -hmm. that. Um, and I just, you know, growing up, like I was competitive. I played sports. I love that competitive drive. So as you get older, right, you start to realize like, hey, you're 5'10", <laughs> you're not playing basketball, you're definitely probably not going to go play baseball. Yep. So the fishing piece of it is that it doesn't matter your height, doesn't matter your, well, any of that, right? right? You can go out and do it and you, it's something that you can do for years, mm -hmm. right? You can do it all the way until you're, I mean, look at Rick Klon, for instance, right? I mean, the guy's 70 some years old and still hammering and he's been doing it for 40 years. Right. Um, so it's one of those sports that doesn't matter what age group you're in, mm -hmm. um, you can still compete at. So but was there a moment that you're like, I'm doing this as I'm got to find time. To yeah. This. I think when the, when the walleye league was around, oh, well, um, that stuff. yeah. So that was, I finally figured out, you know, there was that, obviously the FLW walleye league, yep. um, that was in Wisconsin. And my mom actually used to drive me to tournaments and have to sign a waiver because Sonny Reynolds wouldn't allow me to sign for myself. So, yeah, but she would drive me to Petenwell, drive me to the Bay, yep. drive me to Bago and everything like that. And then obviously when I was 16, she still had to go because she had to sign the waiver. Um, but that's when, you know, you started really getting that competitive edge. Yep. Um, and I think 2009, I fished the uh, FLW Tour Eastern Division, I think it was, right here on Bago. Ended up, I think, taking sixth place as a co-angler. And that was kind of one of those things like, hmm, you can actually, <laughs> I can do this. yeah, I can do this. Um, and then, you know, shortly thereafter, I ended up, uh, you know, graduating high school. Had had a couple boats. I think I was like, I had a toughy nine, 19 foot or 20 foot toughy, you know, fished local bar tournaments, yep. stuff like that. Um, and then made a decision to, you know, join the military. Um, so I went out to California, 
went out to Virginia and started picking up bass fishing because there's not okay. too many walleyes out there in California and Virginia. Nope. So, um, yeah, that's, you know, I still, no matter, like I said, no matter where you are in life, no matter what you're doing, there's always that opportunity to go out and fish right. and fish competitively. So, but yeah, I think back, you know, around that 2008, nine time frame, I started looking into it and I was like, huh, I could probably fish competitively. Have you fished bass tournaments as well? I have. What's, what do you prefer? Um, I think walleyes is where my heart's at. You know, there's really nothing better than watching a big gold bar come out of clear water. <laughs> so, um, big gold bar. Yeah. I mean, there's just something about a walleye coming up and, you know, especially when you're targeting them with a casting rod or anything yep. like that. I mean, I love trolling too. Don't get me wrong. But when you're watching fish come mm -hmm. out of the clear water like that, it's kind of hard to beat. And you're a younger guy. So you're probably into the live scope. Um, well, yes. Actually, I just sold, uh, so it's talking about the entrepreneurship piece of it. Um, I don't own a boat right now anymore. So yeah, quite a humbling experience. Well, you, well, you don't have time if all this, all your work you're doing. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, as far as the live scope goes, I think, you know, to speak on that piece of it, I, you know, I had live scope for a while on one of my bass boats, um, you know, in different various situations like i'm not the guy that's going to go out and fish offshore for bass I, I understand kind of more of the john cox style greg hackney 10 feet or less mm -hmm. put a flipping rod in there and just start beating the bank or a spin, yep. spinner bait something like that right um so i was never the person that you know i'm not the guy that's going to go jump out on a hump in the middle of the lake and go cast a crankbait at 20 feet for yep. giant fish now that's also bit me in the butt quite a few times <laughs> um especially like fishing on green lake it's an awesome place to yep. use that but I think, you know, as far as talking about electronics and live scope and everything else, it's, you know, there's so many different variations of that now. Um, it's good, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, you got 360, you have live, you have um, live scope, you, you know, you have um, Lawrence's active, version of it, active, active target. target. Yeah. Um, and it's all good, but there's so many variables that go into utilizing that. And there's so many things that you have to factor in when right. using that, right? So sometimes you can get so focused in that you're missing everything else around you. That's correct. Where a piece like 360 is a great yep. unit because you're getting a full version of what's happening, yeah, right? And you can see fish line. if they're moving, if they're not, if they're round structure, if they're not. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, like the best thing I can say about all of that is it doesn't matter what electronics piece you have. It doesn't matter how many you have on your boat. If you can't digest the information off that screen and put it into your head and actually understand what's happening mm -hmm. in front of you and apply it, yeah. it's, it's useless. Yeah. Right. So, so let's go back to your first boat. First boat. Yeah. It was a 16 foot Fisher tiller with a 25 horse Merc on it. How'd the Merc run? It was good. Okay. Yeah, it was a 1989. I had electric start on it even. Oh, nice. Yeah. Troll motor? Yep. Had a Minn Kota, uh, I don't even remember what they're called, but the little tiller handle one. Okay. Yep. I know those. Yeah. Um, did you, what modifications did you, speaking of somebody that does modifications, what modifications did you do to that fishing boat? Anything or just kind of no. on the water? I mean, it came, it came pretty well, like set up. I mean, the guy that I had bought it from, um, well, the only modification I really did was put some JB weld on the bottom because there was a bunch of leaks. So <laughs> that was crucial piece number one, put a put a bilge pump in it. And I actually started fishing, you know, Red Banks tournament and stuff yep. like that. Right out of the, mm -hmm. at 16 years old, I had a GMC Sonoma and a 16-foot boat. And like... You're good to go, man. Oh, I was That's rolling. Like yeah. Yeah. And then I just got the addiction, you know, buying boats almost 
well, not so much then, but you know, I had a bunch, I had two boats out in California, um, came home and I rolled through probably six or seven boats. Um, yeah, I'd usually buy one as a winter project or something like that and turn one every time. Or if there was a good deal, like it was hard to beat. It's hard not to, there was a, there was a point in time in my life where I, I believe I had five boats at home and finally the wife said I had to kind of get rid of some, but yeah, I never had five at one time, but I would always find one, run it, you know, do something with it. Or like if it was a really good deal. You it's know, tough to pass up good deals on boats because you know they're going to sell. You know they're going to yeah. be. Well, and, especially at the time of the year too. You're in the fall and you're like, oh, look at these great deals in fall. All I have to do is hold on it for another four months and I'm going to make some money. Yeah. Well, you know, and even too, like, I mean, I've gone and I've traveled probably further than what anybody should for a boat, but I usually try to make an adventure out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so my mom's probably my number one fan, so she would travel <laughs> with me. Like we've like we've gone you know, down in Kentucky to buy a boat wow. and stuff, but you bring it back, you work on it. Like yep. over the winter, especially like we went down one time, I think it was in March, came back, put a bunch of car, I put new car, well, carpet back in then. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now I'm thinking Ironic. back like, man, so dumb to put carpet in, but you know, redo the carpet, yep. put a graph on it, yep. you know, update the batteries and everything like that. And you know, you could at least sell it for what you all have into it yep. and fish out of it for a year or two That's or whatever. True. And yep. you know, as you go along in life, you start to realize like, Okay, you have a seven inch screen. Yep. Well, then you put a nine on. You're like, well, I'm not going back to a seven inch screen. I got to have a nine. Then you go to a 12. And so you start, keep upgrading, and you know, horsepower gets bigger and yep. better. And the bet, you know, you start building on it. But I think one of the benefits of that, too, is that I've been in a lot of boats, not only fishing as a co angler yep. on, you know, different tournament circuits, but also, you know, buying a boat, running it, seeing what the advantages are, what not the advantages are. Um, so you kind of figure out, you know, what to, look for in your next boat yep. and how you want to how you want to yeah. set up yeah so that first boat what, what electronics did you have on that do you have anything on there yeah i had uh, a lms 522 i think with the internal puck color graph yeah 2d sonar and wasn't terrible no great way to start off like, yeah like, especially when was... you didn't have to mount you know wire the puck it was all internal right there you just plug it in and go to town that's pretty how so um any issues with that boat? Any problems? Everything ran well for you? Never got stranded anywhere? Yeah, no, I didn't really have any issues. And uh, I think I just, I had it. There was a guy that was looking for a motor. So I stupidly sold that thinking I was going to repower the boat, go to a 40 horse. Um, never did that. Just ended up selling to a guy for a duck boat. Um, yeah, and just kind of let that one fizzle out. And then the next boat, I don't even remember what, oh, I bought a Javelin. Um, yeah, Javelin basketball. I think I was 17 years old. I was a junior in high school. And so I'd always roll in there, yeah, pickup truck and a boat, and you know, pulling in the parking lot, like, yeah, whoever's got the truck and boat out there, you need to go ahead and move that. <laughs> so I was that, you know, I was that guy. And fishing wasn't popular in high school at that point either, especially you didn't have tournament. You didn't have the the um, high school leagues in like you did now, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, you had the FLW Wally League that I participated in, but that was kind of a weekend thing. Obviously, I wasn't dragging my boat to those events yep. either. Um, but you know, you bring your boat to high school, then and it's like what is that kid doing? Right. Like, why, why are you doing that? So it wasn't a popular thing. And now, I mean, I look back and I'm like, man, I wish I would have had the opportunity of fishing, you know, high school and sure, college, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. There's so many opportunities, more opportunities now for, for the kids to coming up that want to do something. Not this have the passion for it to, to start in high school and then to, to move on to college if they want as well. So, yeah. And I mean, I think that there's a lot of people, you know, that kind of reevaluated everything, you know, from, that 2010 to now kind of thing where like that hunter gatherer mentality has always been in the blood of a lot of people, Mm -hmm. um, which is also probably the backbone of the, 
you know, the United States. Um, so there's a lot of people that have always grown up, you know, enjoying those memories, yep. you know, from generation to generation, going out on the lake on the weekends, yep. going fishing, going hunting, doing that stuff. And so to incorporate it into the schools was an awesome thing. Yep, for sure. um, yeah, I think people just finally realize that, you know, college isn't your only opportunity and like you don't have to just play basketball baseball football yeah, yeah football yeah, like yeah. there's things that you know and people don't always have that ability yeah back in the day it was you either played those sports or you were in cub scouts or boy scouts or whatever it was right. you, there was nothing there was not a third option i mean there was but it wasn't as popular it wasn't mainstream it is now right fishing has become very very mainstream um especially in the bass world and a walleye is kind of lacking behind here but you know maybe someday yeah and i think obviously you know you got to look at the fishing market and you got to see where the companies are going to invest their time mm-hmm. into like bass you can go to probably at least a lower 48 yep um and catch them yep. so you know they they can provide a platform because yep. they're going to get the exposure on it where you know walleye fishing pretty much limited well yep. i wouldn't say limited right i mean people are starting to realize that you can catch walleyes yep in a lot more places than you used to be able to, right? And how you catch them too. You know, everybody wants to, you know, catch them a certain way always. And now as, you know, we talked a little before we started about, you know, the amount of bass lures that are in in the walleye world now is crazy. And I mean, just, you know, as more, I think, you know, as the internet gives more exposure and people Mm -hmm. start to realize, I mean, now you look at it, you can go from the Columbia River all the way to New York and catch walleyes. That's true. And you can go through the whole upper Midwest, you know, Mm -hmm. basically the whole upper part of the United States and catch them from pennsylvania ohio wisconsin michigan yep. all the way there's through. clubs in all those areas too a lot of those areas have their own little clubs that are getting going that are yeah kind of helping promote that area and there's a place i think down not uh was it kansas or there's not kansas uh arkansas there's a big lake down there yep. that you can go down and i think mm-hmm. the pwt even used to fish back yeah, down there back a long the time ago so yeah i mean as, as you know as more information becomes readily mm-hmm. available before you know you used to be able to go buy a book um <laughs> And you, you know, Mr. Walleye, right? Read it and go, okay, like I can hook a crawler and hook and drag it through some yep. mud or drag it through some weeds and like yep. catch them. Where now, I mean, guys are building YouTube videos. I mean, they're building their careers off YouTube videos. They're doing, I mean, just there's so much information out yep. there. And I mean, which is good, good. Mm-hmm. But I also think that too, you know, there's a ton of information where so many more people are going out and doing it, which yep. live scope and all that other stuff. I mean, How is it going to affect the fishery in 10 years? For the full version of this podcast, check out Fix TV. And remember, follow me on the talk at Smile and Fish and everywhere else at Matt Snell.